Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Water is our subject for the hour today. We're going to talk about the Colorado River, which of course spans seven U.S. states and two Mexican states. There are a lot of stresses on the Colorado River. Uh, The delta, in fact, has dried up. All the water taken out before it reaches uh, the delta into the Gulf of Mexico or the... uh, into the L.A. area, and a new documentary talks about stresses, problems, and also some hope, say the producers of the movie. Colorado River serves some 30 million people. Of course, population across the West is growing. New stresses with uh, ramping up of uh, extraction of uh, natural resources, and uh, the new documentary is called Watershed, a new water ethic for the New West. Producer is James Redford, director Mark DeSena, and we also have with us the director of Save the Colorado, Gary Walkner. We welcome in Gary Walkner right now to begin with. Uh, Mr. Walkner, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you very much for having us on. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time. Um, give us a, just a, a bit of an overview. This uh, is a, a massive river basin, and the producers of the film call it the most uh, damn dibbed and diverted river in the world. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's also one of the most litigated uh, rivers in the world because there's so many fights over Colorado River water. You know, there are 30 million people uh, in the in the Colorado River Basin. And, of course, there's uh, crops throughout the southwest portion of the basin that grow food for the entire nation. So there's a vast amount of demand on the river. And, of course, one of the big stories is that uh, the river, which has five trillion gallons a year of water in it on average. Uh, every drop of that water is drained out and the river no longer reaches the Gulf of California. And so uh, we have not just uh, uh, put a demand on this river, we have drained it bone dry before it uh, reaches the sea again. So uh, there's a long story and, uh, and a lot of issues around the Colorado River and I think this movie kind of does a nice introduction and provides a uh, you know a good um, basic introduction of the issue and some of the challenges and also some of the opportunities for uh, what viewers. Uh, how unusual is that? The, the river doesn't reach the sea. Well, in the southwest U.S., um, increasingly rivers are drained dry. And so it's not just the Colorado River, but also some of its tributaries. Uh, in Southern California and Arizona and Utah and Colorado, uh, we just uh, we just suck the rivers dry because uh, there's so much demand on these rivers. So in Southwest U.S., it's not completely u- unusual. However, the Colorado River, you know, it's an iconic symbol of the American West, and um, it's you know the big daddy that kind of uh, serves us all and carved the Grand Canyon. And for this river to be drained dry really is. Uh, it's quite a story, and I think this film does a nice job of sort of telling that story and, and hopefully telling some steps forward we can address it. Let me turn to uh, James Redford, producer, uh, here. I, I, I've seen a quote from you that you were, uh, when you came to this project, you, you were surprised by the, by this. The, the Delta is a desert here. Yeah, it, it, and it's a new one, uh, a new desert, uh, and we have own habits to thank for that. It's not, a, you know, it, it's so wrong on so many levels. Um, 
you know, to, to, we, we, we put a lot of pride in our national icons, emblems, symbols of what it really means to be American. And the Colorado River certainly stands out as one of those things. And yet we've let the uh, sort of the wetlands on the, in north of the Gulf of California there uh, dry up. And uh, we've lost a major uh, migratory bird uh, stopover spot. Uh, and we've lost all kinds of cultural and biological um, habitats by doing that. And we've done it without a whole lot of fanfare. And the, the film is trying to explore that in a way that will inspire people to change that situation because change is possible in this case. Let me bring in Mark DeSena, the director. Uh, you've been quoted as saying that you... Uh there are a lot of doom and gloom movies about water. You wanted a positive uh, movie. Did did you achieve that? I, I think so. I mean, and that was a goal all along of with um, Jamie and the Redford Center is that um, you know people are people are shutting down. They're not you know they're hearing all these negative stories and and they just don't want to hear it anymore. So it was definitely a goal of the film to inspire people, to inspire dialogue, and and commit to. To changing things, uh, that was one of the goals. Inspire dialogue. I noticed you you involve uh, a broad spectrum of, of uh, guests and interviewees on the in the movie. Yes, um, and and you know we we definitely wanted to cover a, a broad diversity of the film, ge- geographic across the region, the you know the entire river basin, as well as water use diversity. So that was. Um, definitely a goal and, and we, we do cover from the headwaters all the way down to the delta um, covering you know usage from uh, recreation to energy use to um, delta restoration and urban use as well and, and a big part which was I know, agriculture which uses 70 percent of the water in the basin mm. uh, I noticed you uh, you interviewed a uh, uh... I can't read my own handwriting here. Granby, Colorado, is the headwaters. Yes, correct. Uh, an interesting gentleman there who had, uh, uh, he said that when he lived in, in the Denver area, he too uh, just uh, was unaware of where the water came from. It came out of the faucet. Right. I think all of us who, who you know, don't see the direct result of our water use have that, have that um, attitude. They just We just think it does come out of the faucet and, and have no... No, rec- you know, recollection of where it does actually come from, and you know, the the great quote in the film that that, that um, really struck us is that he talks about that we're willing to destroy a natural environment in to to build an artificial one down in the cities, and when you do see that 60% of water use in urban areas is used for for landscaping, you know that that really hits home. Um, uh, Gary Walkner, uh, by the way, from uh, director of Saved Colorado, that I'm guessing that hits home with you as well. That uh, that that quote and that that impacted me as well. That we're we're taking water out of a natural environment to preserve, in some cases, an artificial environment. And this gentleman, uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's he said, you know, you drive past all those lawns. There's there's nobody home. There's nobody enjoying those lawns. Yeah, you know, and I, it's important. You guys are there in the Salt Lake City, so we should probably talk a little bit about Utah first, uh, or also, uh, uh, you know, Utah is really at 
somewhat of the epicenter of some of the new threats to the Colorado River are massive new water projects proposed there in Utah, including the Lake Powell Pipeline down in the southern part of the state, and then right uh, north of Salt Lake City, the Green River nuclear plant. But also uh, tar sands are a huge threat there in Utah uh, to water use. And, you know, I think one of the things the film does uh, is tie in issues about clean energy and water use. It also ties in issues about uh, lawns and the amount of water they take. And, you know, the Lake Powell Pipeline, which is proposed down in the southern part of Utah, is uh, a massive new diversion, all for new population growth, primarily to serve lawns. And so the same thing's going on in uh, Denver, you know, that we've seen the film is going on in southern Utah. It's going across the basin. In terms of, uh, you know, water use in cities, about about half the water is used to keep the grass green. And, you know, that's just something we have to think about as we move forward uh, in terms of the, uh, the threats to this river and the opportunities to protect it. We turn back to James Redford. Uh, interesting uh, gentleman in the movie. Uh, uh, his name is, I believe, Jimmy Lazama is, is in uh, Los Angeles area. And he either makes or repairs bikes. I couldn't tell, tell which. In fact, he doesn't own an automobile, right? He, he, he puts his beliefs where his... Uh, where his transportation is. Uh, a quote near the end of the movie struck me. Um, uh, he said we uh, have to uh, reimagine our relationship with the ecosystem, and, and he hopes that we won't continue to reroute waterways. Yes, I, and I think, you know, the opportunity that he's talking about, a reimagining of our, of our relationship to the Colorado River, uh, the good news is that there is an extraordinary amount of low-hanging fruit from the top usage in, in agricultural terms all the way down to individual usage, there's an extraordinary amount of waste. There's an extraordinary amount of opportunity. Um, and we, we need to uh, make everybody, those that make the decisions at the top down to individual consumers, sort of reimagine what water is, how precious it is, um, increasingly scarce, it's projected to become even more scarce over the next 20 years as population continues to climb. And, you know, are we going to go down the road of climate change on this call? We don't even have to, really. I mean, yes, I believe there is climate change. But if you don't, what you do know, if you're a Westerner, um, is that we're in a period of sustained aridity. And we, you know, just even if you do not believe the, the, the or you're caught up in the dialogue about climate change, you can't deny the fact that we're in the sustained aridity that's having a serious impact. So this film, you know, in, in that regard, you know, we have these basic facts. We can't expect the public to get involved if they don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. and, and so the film, in a very baseline way, is trying to reach people in a way that uh, will encourage, you know, better, better habits. I mean, we, we all, I think, most people understand fundamentally that, you know, if you water at night instead of today, you're going to avoid a lot of evaporation. If you kind of do what you can to replace high-flow faucets uh, in your home and, and, and high-flow toilets, it's, it's really, really helpful. Cut down on the amount of showers. Uh, Mark DeSena, our director, is on the phone. He takes great pride in taking fewer showers, much to the showers, much to the consternation of his of his wife, but you know, I mean, it, we we need to get in a different mindset, yeah. and it doesn't have to be. If we, let me just say it this way: if we don't get in a different mindset, if we don't embrace water as a national treasure, and everybody gets involved in this dialogue, 
it's going to hit us in the face hard in the future. And you know what happens when that happens? The government steps in and just has to do some hard and fast triage work, crisis work, to settle disputes between states, to make, make you know, fast judgments about how to best, um, you know, uh, divvy up water as it becomes increasingly scarce. And it's just not going to be done as well. Hmm. So Mark- let's, let's all get on board this conversation. Be, really be aware of where your water comes from. Look at your water bills. A lot of people in the West live in, in environments where there's, you know, tiered pricing structures. So, you know, you can see for yourself how you stack up next to your neighbors. Are you doing everything you can? And if you're making that effort, you're actually going to care if you find out that your municipality is, is you know, the, the, the water board is, is not making necessary repairs to leakages or your city council, you know, just voted in. Um, something that, you know, you perceive to be wasteful. We, mm. we, we've got to trigger a, a broader dialogue. I want to follow up with our other guests on, on that very point. Um, but just If you just joined us, we're talking about uh, the Colorado River. Serves uh, seven western states and two Mexican states, and there's a lot of stress on the river. In fact, we suck it dry before it gets to the delta. Uh, by the way, it, it, in the movie... Uh, at the end of the movie, uh, you're saying that uh, if we were able to reclaim 2% of the river water, we could restore the delta. We'll get into that as well. We're talking with uh, James Redford, producer of this documentary film, Watershed. That's what we're talking about. Mark DeSena is the director. And we're also talking with Gary Walkner, uh, director of Save the Colorado. And uh, you're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495. I'm interested to know what your water usage concerns and uh, habits are, what you would suggest for yourself and your neighbors to uh, help in, uh, in solutions to the problem. The Colorado River serves 30 million people. That, of course, is projected to increase already stresses on the river many uh, problems, but there are solutions out there. We'll talk about this, continue to talk about this after a brief break. Support for Access Utah comes from the Utah Humanities Council, enriching cultural, intellectual, and civic life by providing opportunities for all Utahns to explore life's most engaging questions and the wonders of the human experience. It's haunting time on the Poudamaya World Music Hour. Halloween is a time of spooky celebration, and on the next Poudamaya World Music Hour, we'll hear songs about ghosts, spirits, and black magic. I'm Dan Storper. And I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for Halloween Around the World on the next Poudamaya World Music Hour. Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Utah Public Radio is also provided by Square One Printing in Logan. With personalized printing for home or business, including directories, booklets, marketing pieces, posters, and employee or owner's manuals, information is at squareoneprinting.com. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about water, Colorado River water. We're all affected by how much there is, the quality of the water, and uh, what we're doing to use that water. 30 million people use the water on the Colorado River Basin. Seven states in the United States, two Mexican states use the water. And uh, we use so much of it that the delta has uh, dried up, doesn't even reach the sea. 
the producers of the new documentary film Watershed uh, say there is hope, but this is the most damn dibbed and diverted river in the world. And the peacekeeping agreement known as the Colorado River Pact is reaching its limits as well. We're talking with the producer of the film, James Redford, the director, Mark DeSena, and director of Save the Colorado, Gary Walkner. I'd like to begin this segment with uh, Mark DeSena. Uh, James Redford uh, referenced your shower uh, habits. Um, that, that, that's got to be that's got to be nice. But you're you're apparently uh, taking this to heart, are you? Most definitely, and thanks, Jamie, for mentioning that on public radio. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 um, I proudly talk about that, and and you know, inspired by the film, inspired by Jimmy Lazama, um, but but mainly inspired. And this is a, an anecdote about the film, and in, in the early cut of the film, which we screened for our executive producer and narrator of the film, and Jamie's dad, Robert Redford, and he said, "Where is?" You know, in, in writing the narration, he he mentioned where's John Wesley Powell, and what, he he is one of the early explorers of the film, and and really set up um, you know a, a lot of the, the thinking about water and and civilization. And you know, to his quote, he said, "Water and civilization and development, civilization should be based on the health of the watersheds and how much water can be can support an area." And you know that that is so true and and is coming more true to this day um and and that you know having grown up in california and having grown up in a major drought there you you sense that you know very early on that that it is a precious resource and i think today we we have forgotten that you know it there are limits to this i mean that the dirty word of of limits and sacrifice need to be embraced again there used to be you know, good words, and and especially with water, which we definitely feel is is the is the canary in the coal mine. It's it's a precursor for many of the things that we're going to need to face. Um, and and I, you know, I I embrace you know the limits of water and taking less showers and just being more aware. I mean, I think we're we're all sort of um, brainwashed, if you will, that. You know, we have to take a shower a day. Some people I know take two showers a day, which to me is insane. I mean, you're, you're, um, there's definitely no need for that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a wholehearted, wholeheartedly embrace taking less showers and just being more aware of, of that of water usage. Uh, Gary Walkner, director of Save the Colorado, I want to expand on that. Uh, we, we, I think a lot of us don't tend to, A, notice where the water comes from and sacrifice is a sort of a dirty word we don't we don't want to sacrifice is that going to be needed and is that sufficient well there's there's a there's probably one big thing that will happen as population continues to grow throughout the southwest u.s i mean the vast majority of water in the colorado river basin uh is growing crops and as uh, cities grow, they generally buy or lease water from farmers. And so uh, the transition we'll probably see over the next few decades is more uh, water being bought from farmers and more farm ground just going out of production. That's probably the transition that we're looking at. Um, and, you know, on the bright side, though, you know, one of the things that we've mentioned here a few times is about the dry uh, Colorado River Delta. 
the United States and Mexico are currently uh, trying very hard to negotiate an agreement to get a very small water back in the Colorado River Delta, and we're all kind of crossing our fingers and very optimistic that something's going to come out of that. And so, um, you know, amidst this, amidst this, uh, you know, huge problem throughout the Southwest U.S., there are a lot of people working very hard to try to make a difference, uh, including the federal government, uh, to try to, you know, get the, a little bit of water back in the river and keep it alive. And there's also a lot of groups right there in Utah. Uh, we're a small foundation, and we've funded the uh, Red Center to do this tour of the film throughout what I call the seven sins of the southwest U.S., the, the seven major cities, Los Angeles, San Diego, Tucson, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, uh, Las Vegas, and then Denver. But we also funding some of the environmental groups there in Utah who are trying to uh, keep the river alive, and that includes the Utah Rivers Council, Heal, Utah, Living Rivers, Citizens for Dixie Future, and the Glen Canyon Institute. And so uh, there are a lot of threats. There's a lot of challenges with water conservation, but there's some good work that the governments are doing. There's also some good work that environmental groups are doing. By the way, we're uh, talking about the uh, new documentary film, Watershed. We're talking with the producer, uh, James Redford, director, Mark DeSena, and director of Save the Colorado, Gary Walkner. Uh, 30 million people depend on the Colorado. covers seven western states and two states in New Mexico. And a lot of stresses with agriculture, extractive industries, uh, climate change, and, of course, population growth. Uh, I'd like to hear your perspective what uh, are your concerns, and uh, how does this affect your personal life? 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495, the number to uh, call, 1-800-826-1495. Or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I want to turn next to uh, James Redford. Um, as you, you come to this project, and one of the uh, quotes in the, in the film one of the gentlemen says a, a phrase that he had heard, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. And, boy, if you live in the West, you know that's true. Um, and, and this, the compact, the, this, the compact between these Western states is being stressed. Uh, what do you hear on the future of, of, the, of the compact and what can be done to, uh, uh, to, for, for everyone to come together to, to make some solutions? Well, I really defer to Gary when it comes to language of the compact. You know, the, the, this business of of how one negotiates, uh, or we should say renegotiate, uh, how water is distributed. I mean, just sitting back, for instance, our action plan, which we're, we're committed to, um, is supporting the purchase of 50,000 acre feet of water to reconnect the Colorado River to the Gulf of California. That's how much acreage uh, the Sonoran Institute estimates that you would need in order to create a minimal flow. It would take an additional occasional burst in other years, but to, to, make, to, to get rid of that desert that we created in the last 20 years um, and to restore that habitat so that it at least functions uh, at, at the minimal level, and more importantly, our, our nation's great iconic river reaches its destination once again, is about a 15 to $17 million purchase of water. Now, explaining beyond that to you how it gets done, the intricacies of this binational agreement, 
where the water actually sits within the system, how it gets distributed out of, uh, out of irrigation canals into the river, which nonprofit. It is staggeringly complicated. And, um, and that's just one little thing. And, and, you know, that's one project that a number of nonprofits, including the Redford Center and Save the Colorado, we're convening at Sundance Resort in a few weeks to really look at how to, how to get there. And we're having a great brainstorm session there at the Sundance Resort to deal with this. Now, that alone, I, I, I'm staggered by how complex it is. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a, 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 a compact between seven states um, that inevitably is going to take some looking at. It's the kind of thing that we need to start. It's like if you try to untangle a knot by just rushing, you're just going to make it tighter. You have to do things in stages. You have to be methodical about significant changes. So why not pick something less complicated than that, uh, that 1922 compact and demonstrate that things can change? That's what we're looking at. If you, if you need more details than that about that compact, and, and what needs to change with that compact, I defer to Gary. Yeah, and, and you need to get the lawyers involved as well. Gary, I want to follow up with that. Uh, this is not only complicated, but uh, it, it's it's so heated emotionally, uh, and, and the, the stakes are so high. Uh, where do you start? That's a great question, and, and the uh, federal government, the, the Department of Interior, under the leadership of U.S. Secretary Ken Salazar, has taken a nice, uh, bold stance in trying to uh, make a difference in this issue. Uh, the Secretary initiated something called the Colorado River Basin Study. And again, it's kind of long, kind of boring, kind of technical, and there's another draft of it coming out in uh, November. But uh, environmental groups throughout the basin and a lot of uh, some businesses and a lot of other uh, influential people are trying to unite with some sort of a vision about how we address this future uh, threat to the river. And we're trying to do that through water conservation. So one of the things we're trying to do is um, uh, help convince the uh, Secretary of Interior and uh, and the Department of Interior and the Bureau of Reclamation to focus on water conservation as we go forward. Instead of more dams and diversions, because more dams and diversions are just going to further deplete the river, the more water you take out of the river, the less likely it's ever going to get to the uh, Gulf of California. So um, there are a lot of threats, but there are also people working hard on it, and you know, lots of lawyers, a lot of technical people, a lot of scientists, and I think there's some opportunities in the near future. Let me turn to uh, Mark Desetta, director of Watershed. We're talking about Watershed's new film, uh, documentary film about the Colorado River. And uh, the producers uh, say there is some hope, and, and definitely you meet some of these people. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me a bit about uh, Rifle uh, Colorado Mayor uh, Keith Lambert. He, first of all, he seems like a real character. Um, <laughs> I, uh, definitely is. And, uh, but he talks about uh, they're trying to get away from the extractive industry, 57 billion uh, gallons a year for, uh, for the extractive industry. That's only ramping up with, with fracking, for example. Uh, they're tr- rifle. They're trying to g- go big on renewable energy. Yes, and and that's you know he um, he's a bold a bold character within that town because it's uh, you know not necessarily a popular thing to say that we need to to look at renewable energy in in a town that or an area that has fourteen thousand gas wells and you know the economy depends on on extractive the extractive industry. But you know he he quotes or he's quoted as saying. That you know, people say, "Hey, we've got this. We've got enough energy for the next hundred years." And you know, what, what's wrong with that? And 
he's forward thinking enough to say, but yeah, but what about the next 100 years after that? Um, and that's the inspiration for, for him to to go beyond, you know, the, that that thinking. And, um, it you know, it's it's a, it was a, inspiring to see that in the center of, of this 14,000 gas wells that they have one of the largest community-owned solar arrays in the country. And, you know, many of the businesses are are adopting solar. They're looking at um, biofuels at, at, at uh, the local college there. Uh, but you know he um, he definitely is a man of action versus uh, you know talking about climate change because he wouldn't he wouldn't say that was the inspiration as a you know a, a political person in a very conservative area. So um, you know it was it was um, just leading by example and and seeing what he's doing, which was inspiring. Is is this his impetus? Is is there consensus in the town? Because as you as you mentioned, uh, a lot of the jobs around the area have, have got to come from extraction. Right, right. You know, it's again, it, it's interesting. He wouldn't he wouldn't talk about um, climate change unless it was his personal opinion, which it which it is, um, because you know it's it is definitely an economic reality in in, in many areas. But I think it's. You know, we we have to do both, and he's he's got the foresight to see that. So, you know, we need to keep our economy going. We we're, we're probably are going to to use the resources that we have, but we also have to start thinking thinking ahead, and and he's definitely doing that. And I guess that's the trade off. That's the interesting trade off uh, that, as he says, the extraction of natural resources uh, has a, a natural time limit. It's going to end at some time. On the other hand, you know, people in the town they get their paycheck from the industry. Right, right. That and that that is true. But you know, the the thing that he he brings up and it it is the extractive industry with fracking and especially with with oil shale and the extraction that they're planning or they're researching is that the use of water is going to expand exponentially to to get this energy out of the ground, which you know is is you really have to weigh okay how much water is being used for a barrel of oil and it's it's a lot more water is used and you know it's it's that thing that in the film that puts water at a different value point we have to we have to value water as this very sacred thing it's you know be up next to air water is the next most precious thing for life and um you know are we going to learn how to conserve or use different forms of energy um yeah, I mean the transition could be could be hard, but we have to start doing it now. And as Jamie says, if we don't start doing it now, we're going to hit a wall, and that hitting a wall is a lot more painful than trying to steer around it and and steer around it early enough with with some foresight. Uh, Jamie James Redford, uh, I want to follow up with you. Um, it's a mindset that. That most people don't have, though, do they? You know, we know vaguely in the back of our minds, yeah, we're going to hit a wall, but uh, we're we're not. Most of us are not like uh, Jimmy Lozama, who, who only uses his bike, I think, because he he's trying to uh, live live this way. But but a lot of us aren't. Yeah, you know, I, I think what what Jimmy what Jimmy represents in in my mind when you see is is uh, you know someone who is fully committed and fully embodying. Uh, the, the personal commitment. But you don't have to be Jimmy Lozama to make a difference. You can be inspired by him to do one simple thing, 
And um, I think often we feel like unless we can solve the problem quickly and with a big, bold swipe, take this pill and call me in the morning kind of thing, that, that we don't bother, you know, and we just say, oh, this is too much, forget it. And we really can't say that, and, and there's no reason why. Um, and, I, and I've thought a lot about this. I think there's a certain aspect to the American culture that embraces sort of ingenuity, can-do-it spirit, uh, gr- you know, growth, progress, future. And I think the problem is we're confusing uh, conservation and, and uh, you know, embracing saving and conservation, uh, we're confusing that with somehow going backwards, when in fact uh, it's, it's the opposite. It's really the only way to go forward. If we continue to move forward the way we are, then we are going to go backwards. Then we're going to have a generation of children and their children who are going to be talking um, wistfully and perhaps even angrily about the way that people before them used resources. There's just no way to move forward. You know, we have to stop thinking about uh, sacrifices as, as some sort of vaguely unpleasant thing that needs to be avoided. And I, I really think it's there. I mean, I understand it. I, I, I like Jeff Ayler, lived in Denver in the late 80s and, and 90s. And, you know, I didn't give water a whole lot of thought myself um, at that time. I'm... A, you know, in spite of whatever my connection is to the environment and our family's commitment, as as uh, you know, at the at the Sundance Resort to preservation, you know, my personal water habits, they didn't really change until I was exposed to this information in the last four years. It's changed now um, because I was exposed, and I'm just thinking that a lot of people are probably like me. That they're they're about in the middle of the road, and you know, if everyone just said, "Wow, okay, I think I can do this," it actually adds up. We're talking about the new documentary film Watershed. It talks about the Colorado River, the stresses on the river, and the future. Uh, the stresses only get worse, but the the producers uh, say there is hope, and they talk to some people who are implementing some solutions. We're talking with James Redford, uh, producer, uh, Mark Desena, director, and Gary Walkner from. Uh, director of Save the Colorado. You're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495. That's 1-800-826-1495. You can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com. Um, and a, a question uh, next before we go to a break uh, for uh, Gary Walkner. I'm interested uh, in uh, the extractive industry. It seems like... Uh, Always, uh, extraction takes a lot of water, um, but with fracking and some of the new technology, that's even ramping up, and uh, there is a current and future collision, is there not, between uh, you know agriculture, uh, extractive industry, just regular consumer use of water. Uh, I wonder if you talk a little bit about where you think that's going and what some solutions might be. Yeah, throughout the southwest U.S., there used to be, uh, you know, the water war was basically between three entities. It was the cities and the farmers versus the it was the cities versus the farmers versus the environment, and 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 that was the water war. And really, in the last uh, few years, especially in Colorado and a few of the places throughout the southwest, that's changed. It's become the cities and the farmers and the environment versus the extractive industry and especially the frackers. 
and frackers uh, and the oil and gas extraction industry, they have enormous amount of money, and, you know, price really isn't an issue for them. They can pay whatever they want. And so in Colorado, for example, they're outbidding farmers for water, and we're seeing a transition to the water going to the very highest price, uh, which is uh, the fracking industry. Um, and, you know, the threats are significant. You know, just two little quick points. You know, you talked about the jobs there in the town of Rifle. There are some really good uh, technical studies that show that if you invest in wind and solar, you create way more jobs than if you invest in oil and gas. And so I think that's the kind of information we need to get out a lot more. And the third thing, you also talked about hitting the wall. Um, you know, without trying to get too political, we might ask the people in New York City today what it's like to hit the wall. And so what is it like to hit the wall with climate change and what do we need to do about it? I think there is a big, bold lesson that we can learn from what happened the last couple of days. Uh, and we can learn that throughout the United States and throughout the southwest U.S. We're talking about the new documentary film, Watershed. It's about the Colorado River, stresses on the river. Uh, 30 million people depend on the river, uh, to the point where uh, the river doesn't reach the sea. The delta has uh, dried up. Um, it's the, the most uh, dammed and diverted river in the world, say the producers of the movie. But there are some solutions out there. Talking about water in the West, we'll be back with James Redford, Mark DeSena, and Gary Walkner after this break. Coming up on the next Bluegrass Breakdown, he's a multi-instrumentalist with a mellifluous voice and engaging songs. He's played with everyone from the Limelighters to Freddie Fender to Dan Crary and Thunderation. I'm Dave Higgs, and Steve Spurgeon will be appearing live in celebration of his recent discs, Past Perfect, and Folk Remedies on the next Bluegrass Breakdown. Saturday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Utah Public Radio is provided by USU's Anthropology Museum in Old Main. It's free Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturdays 10 to 4. This Saturday, learn about Japanese art and culture, both ancient and modern. With Bunnaki, information is at anthromuseum.usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams, we're talking about water. And uh, as one of the guests in the new documentary film, Watershed, says, whiskey is for drinking, water is for fighting. Uh, and uh, 30 million people depend on the Colorado River, which uh, serves uh, seven western states and two states in, the, uh, uh, in Mexico. And uh, we're talking about stresses on water use, which will uh, only become exacerbated, of course, with population growth, with ramping up of industry, and with agriculture. But there are some solutions out there, and hope. And Mark DeSena, the director, said he uh, set out to make a hopeful film about water. After watching some doom and gloom movies, he feels that he's done that. We're talking with Mark DeSena, director of the movie, James Redford, producer, and Gary Walkner, director of Save the Colorado. Uh, I want to turn to Mark DeSena. I want to have you uh, talk a bit about uh, the agriculture and uh, the uh, James uh, Ranch, or James Farm. They're doing some very innovative things, it looks like. Yeah, you know, it's... it's um it's one of those conundrums, and you use the word innovative because, um, as Jamie talks about, they're you know they're actually going back to the way nature was meant to to you know be be used for for, for agriculture. They're they're you know a fully organic. They they call themselves Beyond Organic uh, Farm. They don't use any pesticides or um, any of um, 
you know, herbicides or anything like that on, on the land. So their impact on the water is that they actually put the water, when it, when it returns back to the river, it's in, it's in a better condition. And, you know, it, it's, it, the, you know, truthfully, the entire film could have been about agriculture because it is, uses the greatest amount of water. But, um, you know, it was very hard to choose, you know, as one story. But they're, what they're doing on the James Ranch is, you know, a reminder that, you know, food is obviously very, very important. Um, you know, it's, it's the number, number three thing beyond water and air. But um, there's, there can be a, a different way of thinking about it, you know, this embracing of a new, a new water ethic around, around water. And, uh, you know, their, their belief is that, you know, we should be rethinking about how we use water in the agriculture industry, that, that food can be a major driver of change and that we maybe need to rethink about how we use water um, and the, in the choice of crops that we grow and where we decide to grow um, high yield or high water use crops. Um, you know, maybe we shouldn't be growing cotton in the desert and, or, you know, watermelons and, and melons in, in high aridity places. Um, it's just it's just a rethinking of it, which is, you know, the basic premise of the film is we just need to rethink how we use water. Uh, of course, uh, southeastern Utah uh, watermelon growers, are, their, their heads are exploding right now. You're saying we need to we need to think carefully about what we grow. And, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just, a, you know. Yeah, it's not meant to to call out anyone specifically, but you know, it's a questioning of of you know things that maybe don't necessarily make as much sense. I mean, maybe there are things that that could be grown in, in that same area that you know it could be difficult to change, most definitely. But um, when we look at population growth reaching 50 million in 20 years, we're, we are going to have to make some of those choices sooner than later. Uh, James Redford, uh, Mark DeSena mentioned the population growth, and I, that we, we had reference earlier that the seven deadly sins happen to be the, the cities, the major cities. Um, is the, and, and, you know, you look at that from a macro level and you think, uh, what were they thinking, building cities in the middle of the desert there? Uh, is that sustainable over the long term? Well, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's, it's all possible. You know, it, it's possible to coexist. I think this idea of, of how uh, sustainability is, is a phrase that, you know, it just comes and goes, but it actually has great meaning because it involves sort of looking at, you know, what it, what it is you have and, and how, to, how to keep that going indefinitely into the future. I mean, you know, you have... Um, Yes, you have these urban centers. You have population growth in the, in, in the urban areas in, in the southwest. Um, but you also have enormous shifts in terms of, you know, the technology to uh, conserve water. Even the delivery systems uh, themselves, you know, I heard an extraordinary statistic that nationwide, if, if municipalities were just to deal with the leakages within their existing systems, some of them that are that are underfunded and under maintained due to budgetary constraints, which are affecting all of us in so many ways, uh, that they're every year we're losing to simple leakage enough water to supply Los Angeles for a year. 
So when we talk about low-hanging fruit um, and we talk about the, the power of, of reimagining, you know, how we use water, there's no reason to think that we can't continue. I mean, we, we, we're lovers of the West. And there's a line in a film my father produced about Yosemite back in the early 90s, which is, you know, we love nature. We just don't want to love it to death. I mean, there's a reason the quality, you know, people are moving to Salt Lake. It's a great place for business. It's a great community. It's a great city. I love Salt Lake. Why wouldn't you want to live there? It's got a lot to offer. It's got a great climate, and it's, it is business-friendly. Um, but, you know, there's a way to do it so that, you know, our grandkids and great-grandkids have that opportunity as well. But we just have to make, make some, some tougher decisions. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I guess you know, I, I want to avoid there, – there, there are things, for instance, we've had to face tough decisions at Sundance, which is – I mean, the, the purest thing we could do is shut the place down entirely, not run it as a resort, not have anybody there, and just let it be. And there are probably a lot of uh, environmentalists that would applaud that. But we're, we're, we are actually interested in some ways Sundance is a grand experiment because we are invested in sustainability there. We believe that you can have art, commerce, recreation all working together. It has taken a lot of sacrifice to have that place without the real estate development that most key areas do um, and to not use the, the resources that we have there and to try to make it sustainable has been the largest challenge to face my family, really, in the last few decades. But we're getting there. But things are looking very good for us there, but it's taken a long time. And that's what I'm saying. We need time. We all need time to make these changes. We can't expect immediate results. We just need to start embracing changes at the personal, the city level, the state level, the federal level. Everybody's got to start acting now. We're talking about the new uh, documentary film, Watershed. It's about the Colorado River uh, with producer James Redford, director Mark DeSena, and uh, Gary Walkner from uh, director of Save the Colorado. Uh, by the way, there'll be a screening of the movie. It's on uh, November 11th at Sundance, 4 p.m. in the screening room there. Uh, Gary Walkner next. Um, we have a, a question from a Logan uh, listener who wondered about uh, reservoirs, current reservoirs in the West and uh, what to do about those as they age, reservoirs like uh, Lake Powell? You know, the, there's really a big question right now about Lake Powell and uh, Lake Mead, and, the part, and a lot of that has to do with the conversation we've been having right here. We're in an extended drought. There's increasing demand on the river, and we're in a period what everyone agrees is, or most everyone agrees, is uh, uh, climate change that is going to decrease the amount of water available. Both those reservoirs right now are around, uh, I think, 60 to 63 percent full. And I think we need to ask ourselves a very serious question if it, if it makes sense to have both of these reservoirs half full because they are giant evaporation ponds. For example, somewhere between a half a million acre feet of water uh, evaporate out and seep out of uh, Lake Powell every year. And that's more water than the Colorado River supplies to the entire state of Nevada. And it just evaporates into the air. And so, you know, there's probably not a business in the United States, and that, that water is probably worth a half a billion to a billion dollars. There's probably not a business in the United States that could survive by just letting a half a billion to a billion dollars uh, just evaporate into the air every year. And so, you know, what to do about these reservoirs in the face of climate change is a very uh, big and serious question because uh, we're just losing water by having them sit there half full. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, let me turn back to um, Mark DeSena. Uh, you talked with uh, an interesting, um, I believe she's a Navajo woman, San Juan County uh, Commissioner. Mm-hmm. Hello, Jane Totacini. Uh, yes. Uh, she she talked about, um, well, her mother said the Mother Earth is aged. She talked about a time when and where they lived. Uh, there used to be more water. She also talks about, this is uh, perhaps a Native American ethic, that uh, neighbors share water. We all, there's a very, uh, she keeps that very present in her mind. Yeah, which is, which is amazing because, you know, in the Navajo Nation, you know, most of us in the, or most people in the basin or, you know, most people in general in the U.S. use, you know, between 200 and 300 gallons of water a day. And the average use on the, on the Navajo Nation is 60 gallons. And, and many people who on the nation, close to 40 percent of the people have to go and retrieve their water in trucks and they they use 12 gallons of water a day so to have her say that that we need to to share was just you know an amazing thing to hear but i i think you know i go back to her her story and you know one one of the things she says in the film toward the end is that she believes that you know all things are connected that you know what what we do um in our daily lives you know she says what we do to ants affects everything. It affects how we, you know, relate to people. It relates to, you know, just everything in our lives, which is, you know, in a, in a very important message and is is the epitome of of the film in the sense that water is does connect to all things. So that we that what we do in the cities will affect um, the farms. What we do with energy usage is going to affect. You know everything else. So you know she she is sort of the spiritual nature of the uh, center of the film, um, and you know I I, I love Glojean. I, yeah, I feel like she's she's my uh, she's my mother in many ways. So that's, that's a, a a good place to end the conversation. We're out of time. Watershed is the new uh, documentary film about the Colorado River and uh, water in the West. There's a screening of the movie at Sundance on November 11th, 4 p.m. in the screening room. And much other information to be found at watershedmovie.com. I've been talking with producer James Redford, director Mark DeSena, and director of Save the Colorado, Gary Walkner. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. And uh, join us tomorrow. Our uh, topic will be coal and labor unrest. That's coming up tomorrow. Commentator Thad Boggs. I am a child of the Great Depression. Government projects allowed mom and dad to move from tenant farmers to landowners. They put me through high school. I'm an Army veteran who served in all enlisted ranks from buck private through master sergeant. Federal funds helped buy our home. For much of my life, I taught in public universities. I got Social Security and Medicare. My luxurious life is made possible by others. The city water comes from the mountain spring. My house is heated by subsidized gas. City power provides electricity for devices that keep my food fresh, inform me of what is happening worldwide, and keep me in touch with people continents away. In summer, I eat melons grown locally. In winter, bananas come from overseas. Firefighters, medics, or policemen or but a 9-11 call away. I drive on roads built by others. A city trail winds down a river where fish are stocked by the state. 
I am surrounded by majestic mountains owned by we the people and managed professionally. This year, lines are more clearly drawn about the role of government than in any election I can remember. One group says the government is the enemy. The other sees it as a positive instrument of the people. One group wants to starve the beast. The other wants government to do those things together that we cannot do individually. In Utah, we are one-party state. Our vote for president won't matter. But voters in Iowa or Nevada, two party states about the same size as ours, with six electors each, may determine who is the next president. Instead of voting a straight party ticket, we can pick and choose between candidates of all parties. By electing people who have sacrificed for the good of others, Utah might become a two-party state and, like Iowa, eventually help elect a president. But what do I know? I'm just an 83-year-old man whose country cared enough to invest in him. I'm in the debt of others. It is my distinct honor and my patriotic duty to pay taxes, contribute to the common good, and give others a hand up, not a hand out. My candidates eat tomatoes they raise themselves, know the smell of burning gunpowder, suffer the pain of prejudice, clean the stench of poverty, and celebrate the joy of freedom. My flag flies high on election day. Please vote. This is Thad Box. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan. Thank you.